0: Hello and welcome to the Pressing Matters podcast. I'm Sam Hyde, I'm joined as always by Toby Air. It's been a busy week of football that we're going to talk about. Not necessarily a good one from my point of view, but Liverpool-Arsenal happened. Very, very exciting game and other things too. Mostly Dean Smith and Frank Lampard, which we'll talk about later. But Toby, uh, have you recovered from watching Liverpool versus Arsenal, which was probably the Tensest game of the season.
1: Hello, Sam. Hello. Um, How I recovered? I suppose I have. It depends what we define as recovering, really. I, the heart rate's down, and I've not been pacing in front of the TV, which is what I was mainly doing uh, during the game. Um, I did some hand-on-table slapping at the uh, sh- poor excuse of defending that I that I was watching in a good way. I don't know it was a weird it was it was a very interesting game it was a great game you know what the classic line is or oh, great advert for the premier league that great advert for the premier league it was a game that had that had it all really um I think it was one of those that any more goals go in then it starts becoming about bad defending but a 2-2 two-two, 2 kind of the perfect scoreline isn't it really for it to be a thriller where the points are shared but it's not like oh well they both must just be bad if they keep scoring goals. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, it does. I was I was just thinking because I've seen a lot of I think American social media users that would say a draw is boring. But in this case it wasn't. It was it was full of drama and and goals. And implications as well, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean implication on the title race. I'm sure we'll get into that. Later, um, in terms of how much it changes, we'll really sink our teeth into that and uh, the inevitable machine that is Manchester City. Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, but we'll go into that later. Um, for for this game, I think it was it was a tale of two halves. It was a tale of the old wind up turning the key. On the, atmos- on the Anfield atmosphere.
0: Am I with Gary Neville or something? What's this about?
1: <laughs> well, Granite Shaka. Granite Shaka.
0: Yeah? What about it? Have you, what, what, have you watching Gary Neville? I, I've, not, I've not
1: seen much Gary Neville, Sam, to be honest. I was sick of the sound of his voice after 90 minutes. Well, especially after the first 20 minutes.
0: I think it was Carragher, to be fair, actually, uh, on the commentary. As well. well, okay. Should we talk about the Shaka incident first then? Well, yeah, because uh, I think to most Arsenal fans it is like a nothing, and it's uh, part of the continued media's attempt to blame Grenat Shaka for everything that goes wrong at Arsenal. Uh, I think if Arsenal go back go and score before half-time, then you know they're probably banging on about Trent sort of losing his head. Like it's, I, I don't know. It's it's just like not an incident at all like what Granite Xhaka does is less than what Canate does to him and Trent reacts a lot like it's just like part of football really
1: I, I completely agree with you I completely agree with you and I think it is it is an incident that doesn't really define the game but it's like confirmation bias right it's it's uh it's a bit of that causation correlation it's it it happens and then we kick into life but what i would say is that there's no doubt that it does set a fire under trent right now i'm now and at the time i was worried because it's it, it because you've got trent who's already been struggling up against martinelli right and you've got also the perfect mould of player to go up against trent right and attack that space Whilst carry like a ball carrier, attacking that space and coming inside, but whilst also being able to go outside. So you can't just show the guy outside all, all day because he's more than happy to go around you on the outside. Um but he does also want to dip into that dip in on that right foot. His timing of runs, um fantastic as well, and his sort of approach of starting wide and then running in towards goal is is fantastic. Um, so in Martinelli you have everything that Trent, even if he's on a good day defensively, and even if Trent is a great defender, which I'm not saying he is, but even if he was, you've got all of the combination of attributes that are perfectly built to make him struggle, right?
0: And the fact that Martinelli like drifts inside as well and switches with Jesus, I'm sure, would have caused some headaches on top of that.
1: Yeah, ab- absolutely, and then even just the interchange between that front four, front five, whatever you want to call it, um, can cause him so many problems. So, you know, happy to happy to come in centrally and still receive the ball, and then and then cause problems, and and happy to be on the touch line, ready to just isolate Trent and run it in one v one. And he loves to push the ball, push the ball, push the ball, push the ball. Wait for the defender to commit, and then twist him all ends up either going inside or outside. Um so that was already brewing. And there were a few instances where Trent, you know, didn't look comfortable, which I think we all expected, right? We didn't no, nobody expected Trent to come out and all of a sudden be this defender who could who could who was capable of dealing with Martinelli. It was just whether the system could limit Martinelli from getting in opportunities that then cause Trent problems. And we saw in the second half that he, he didn't cause him problems. And he ends up, the matchup ends up often being against Canate, who's proved that he was more than happy to just go through him. Um, But bringing it back to the, the sort of Shaka gate, and you're right, everybody, or the pundits love to find a reason to say, oh, it's Granite Shaka's fault. But, and, and I thought at the time, this is where I was going with this, I thought at the time, Trent on the... I would rather Shaka not be on a yellow and Trent not be on a yellow, right? Then if if they're both getting yellows, it it's smart from Shaka what he does, right? It is smart from Shaka. If you can say, like, for example, if we could get Zinchenko booked and Henderson booked, I would have taken that. Because then I get to watch Salah run at Zinchenko, regardless of how he is a defender, I get to I get to watch him run at him 1v1 and Hendo yeah okay he's on a booking he's got to be careful there might be some transitions that are going through the center that he can't stop as easily um or as blatantly but generally I'd rather that situation than my fullback who's going to be isolated against a a difficult winger to play against booked so so in that context and without looking at the result It's smart from Shaka, but it fires up the Anfield crowd. Now, there are a combination of factors that fire up the Anfield crowd, but it still definitely is probably the main instigator of Anfield coming to life, despite being 2 0 down, right? Because then Trent flies into a couple of tackles, they're back in the boy, it's things like that. There's more factors, and the whole team seems a bit more fired up. So that would be my sort of assessment of the situation though, I think
0: The thing is like the goal happens basically immediately after it as well like it it doesn't, it's not like Liverpool build momentum or something, it's just like a bit of a lapse in Arsenal's focus really uh, so that's kind of why I would say like I don't know, the, the pundits like to make narratives out of basically anything that happens and yeah, especially surrounding someone as juicy as well, Granit Xhaka, yeah. because Xhaka's not had like any controversy, uh, certainly in the Arsenal fan base for ages. But I don't know, he's just one of those players, isn't he? Uh, yeah,
1: but uh, but in the same instance that Trent could Trent could go through a sort of a period of defending very well and not making any errors, and and also not not only defending, well, not only not making errors, but actually defending very well. But as soon as one thing happens. It's piled on him, and it's the same with Shaka here. Um, as soon as there's one bit of just a tussle, just a push and a push back, it's just ready for people to jump on and take and and to take three years worth or whatever of controversy, despite it not happening for maybe a season, and just piling onto him with it. Um, that's what pundits love to do, isn't it? Really,
0: because he he does this in other games as well, like. Uh... It's it's like you say, trying to get someone booked, or, or just sort of putting a break into the game as well. And the other times, the goal hasn't, you know, not conceded a goal or immediately after it, and so like literally no one cares. But it's just this one time. Liverpool do score immediately after Jacker sort of is involved in a a bit of a uh, bit of fieryness.
1: Yeah, but 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 also it is a smart move, really. If you take. Yeah. If you take a lot of if you strip back the result, if you strip back even the 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 atmosphere and say, look, that was down to the goal, let's say, and things like that. Because the the, the atmosphere wouldn't just continue if we didn't score then until half time. We've spoken a couple of times in this podcast about moments in a game and when to score. And if you you know, that goal before half time is so crucial, um, in terms of in terms of momentum and, and changing the shape of the second half. It's a completely different second half if you don't get that goal. So if you strip all of those factors away from the Shaka incident, what he's done is get Trent, who was already being terrorised by Martinelli, booked out of nothing. Out of completely nothing. Because Trent's done nothing. He's left one late on Trent. Trent's pushed him back. He squared up to him. Bam. Both yellows. It's genius, really. If you, if you think about it in that regard. Um, but... Whether it be because of the timing of the goal or whatever, it still becomes a flashpoint and, and a spark for Liverpool. I've seen this Liverpool team be far too passive so many times. And and Trent with a fire a fire starting under him is a completely different player to you know, and a Trent with urgency is is you've got so many good qualities there. And um, when he is decisive defensively, I, I think there is the there is the foundation of a of a of a solid defender one v one. And that's not to say that he's not gonna ever not need help against a winger, you know. But I don't think he's the only fullback in the league who is picked due to his attacking benefits and their and and. And has defensive frailties. I think you could go for a lot of fullbacks who could get undone if they are a, a smaller club that doesn't dominate the ball. And recently, we've been playing like a smaller club that doesn't dominate the ball, so it's exposed a lot of his weaknesses.
0: Pretty much as soon as the second half started, Liverpool were looking a, a much better team than they were in the first half. Uh, I think you look at the stats after the game, and it is massively in in favour of Liverpool. Uh, in terms of shots in XG in particular, but uh, watching the game is one of those games you kind of have to watch because when Arsenal are tuning up, you've always felt like Arsenal were just going to go on and win it, and then they they lost that control. And then even when you're watching the second half, there were some really prime opportunities for counter attacking that Arsenal messed up. Like, uh, obviously, there was the moment like right at the death, which people i spoken about a lot, which is where Martinelli's pass is just slightly in front of Saka. But there were other chances with like Trossard and Saka as well. Um, where they didn't quite make the right decision, just at various points throughout the second half. Um, I think I think if, if I was to blame someone for not winning, it would go to Arteta. Because I, I feel like his subs were, were off in this game. Uh, Kivior got brought on to sort of go to a five Uh, he got brought on for Udegaard and that felt like we lost a lot of power from that it felt like
1: at that point it felt like an acceptance of the lack of control right it became a right we don't have control of this game anymore so let's just be able to stay in it without having any control and I don't think that was really the right approach because this Liverpool team is so vulnerable that I think at any times you can you can you can just score two. Does not even one. You can score two at any moment because we, of the sort of soft underbelly that we've shown, um, and we showed that in the first twenty minutes. You know the, the the goals were scored with such ease, and I think if I think it's kind of criminal bringing off Odegaard when you're lacking control because he is the one to be able to glide past a challenge. Beat that little bit of pressure that means that now everyone else in the Liverpool team, in the Liverpool sort of defence, has that decision of okay, he's just beaten that man. Now do I stick or twist? Do I go and close down the spaces, but I'm not really going to get there and I'm exposing gaps for him to then pick a pass into? Or do I stick where I am, but ultimately have a Martin Odegaard who's beaten this man r- running at me with, with like, direct determined runners ahead of him so I just felt like that was an interesting choice bringing him off because of how much he offers um in those transition as well with like weight of pass decision making um so that I think was quite rash from Arteta the decision to be honest
0: it's it's worked before because uh he's brought on holding in these situations before and Holding is seems to be a bit of a specialist at just coming on for 10 minutes, moving to a five at the back and just sort of getting on the end of crosses. And, and I don't know, there's just like a presence to him. But Kivior, uh, not even sure if he's played in the league before. Uh, it was a lot to ask of a, a young player. And you look at the bench and there's like other midfielders that could have come on, like Smith Rowe or Jorginho could have come on. And then the, the Tierney and Zinchenko substitution was... Too late as well. So, um, yeah, it was a rare miss for Arteta. I think that it's definitely lessons that I think he'll be learning from this.
1: Yeah, and I mean, he's a young manager. Look, you get a lot of benefits from him, and and it's we're not going to start banging some Arteta out drum. You know, we're not idiots here. But it did show. It did show some sort of not tactical naivety because it's so harsh to say that when he's built this team that have basically tactically outclassed every team that they've come across against even dominating man city um possession wise now look that doesn't mean that you get 3 points but it's a it's a big thing to do um but but i think i mean who does holding normally come on for when when you when you bring him on to sort of close out the last 10
0: uh, it usually is a midfielder, yeah. So probably would be uh, Odegaard.
1: Okay, so that's fine. But now I think the situation here is that you're you're you already have holding on, right? And so your defense is already. I don't mean that in the sort of well, you can't bring holding on because he's already on. But I mean it really in the sense that the team is already weakened because holding's in there rather than Saliba and um, Gabriel. And that's not a dig on holding. It's just a realistic fact that, for example, if we have, let's say we've got Van Dijk out, so we're playing Matip and Canate, and then we start bringing off a midfielder to then bring on Gomez, so we have Gomez, Matip and Canate, you've got just more centre-backs who are further down the pecking order, rather than the sort of next in line to start coming on and playing along the starting two. I think that's a very different situation to be... I think Holding coming on to play in a five alongside Gabriel and Saliba is a lot of an easier task and you're asking not necessarily a better player to do it but somebody who has dealt with Premier League atmospheres and this kind of um, pressure cooker environment before rather than throwing in Kivior next to Gabriel and Holding already and you know I think that's a little bit a little bit naive um, and it also enabled Liverpool to bring off Fabinho and bring on Firmino or, or maybe that decision uh, that decision had come already I'm not sure but it meant that that could be made with pretty much no risk involved um, the the threat of the counter from Arsenal was still going to be there but it would have been there anyway
0: um, and it's more done down the wings than rather having a a midfield presence that Fabinho would have to cover for right
1: yeah exactly so we could switch to a 424 and be pretty comfortable that we could still regain possession whilst also having Tiago who's come off the bench who's someone who's far better at sort of keeping control especially if there's if you've now packed a back 5 in and he's able to just sit in front of it and pop the ball around and you've got an extra forward disrupting that that back five and, and Firmino played very well when he came on in terms of dropping off that defensive line picking the ball up drawing pressure into him and just popping it around the corner and, and going he did that very well numerous times um, so yeah it was a little bit of tactical naivety from Arteta somewhat to be expected because if he had just put together a flawless season you know it would be pretty freakish It's it's freakish what he's done anyway already um, and then talking on, well, I don't know if you want to go into this, but Zinchenko coming off a Tierney and the decision just being a little bit too late. Um, is this the price that teams pay when they have unbelievable, in-possession, press-resistant talents? Is the price defensive vulnerability in 1v1 areas?
0: It's a lot more of a complicated role for a start. I think bringing Tierney on would just be a, a much more simple and safe thing to do uh, at the point where we are 2-1 up but yeah so, so Tierney was really good two years ago as being the the first choice um, and there were talks about is he going to be the captain of Arsenal or whatever and now that you've got Zinchenko who's playing such a different role to him and is like shutting Tierney out there was sort of talks if we would lose Tierney. Um, there's rumours that he might actually want to stay now, but it. I think there are moments where you would want someone with Zinchenko's. You know, if you can get Zinchenko passing. Well, the the problem was with Zinchenko, uh, as well as making the error for the the equaliser. Really, is the point of having the inverted fullback is for those possession moments, and Arsenal weren't having as many possession moments as they would normally get in the second half it was sort of pretty dominant at times from Liverpool and so uh, the benefit from Zinchenko is just reduced why will not you bring on Tierney and maybe just change your game plan and be simpler and more direct but having that defensive solidity that having a, a better defender brings you
1: I think there's clear parallels with the Trent conundrum at the moment at Liverpool, where the fact is that when we were a complete dominant system and force as a whole team, you don't see the weaknesses. You don't, because he's always in the other teams, not necessarily half, because Zinchenko's not always doing that. He's dropping into like a CDM role. But you can leave that wide defensive position fairly exposed And the other team just don't have the capabilities to even get up the pitch to attack it, right? Because they both vacate the the defensive left or right space in different ways. I mean, in in this game, Trent actually came inside quite a lot and came into midfield. Um, And the first Liverpool goal indirectly comes from that because it means we can push Jones and Henderson both high so you have Jones on the wide edge of the box flicking the ball round the corner for Jotter on the overlap who then cuts it back Henderson tries to shoot doesn't quite get enough onto it but Salah can tap it into the back post now you can't have both of those flying into the box if Trent doesn't come from right back position into a central position because then if possession is lost you're completely vulnerable right trent when liverpool were very dominant in the in in those glory days that i'm clinging on to and i'm hoping aren't too far away we can reclaim would go very high and wide right very high and wide and he'd vacate the uh the fullback spot when we had possession in that instance but the out of possession structure and when possession was lost that, that initial transition to put pressure on the ball was so good and so effective that teams couldn't exploit the full-back areas quickly enough. They couldn't get up quickly enough, right? And and it's the same with Man City, for example. Man City often build in a... Look, they've mixed things up playing four centre-backs and having John Stone step in or, or whatever, but ultimately, for large periods, they would build... In-possession in, uh, in possession structure would be a 2-3-5, yeah, uh, whether that be fullbacks coming in alongside the holding midfielder to make a three, or fullbacks going beyond and uh, there being a different combination to create that three, and the fullbacks actually becoming almost you know part of the five, and maybe a, a midfielder dropping into that three, but it would be at that two-three-five, that pyramid, um, going outwards, yeah, sort of narrow to wide in in build up. As you go up the pitch, and that's fine. But if you're in teams that aren't dominant, and you then are getting penned back, and they're having to defend those fullback zones, Zinchego isn't a bad one v one defender. Trent, judging on this season, is a bad one v one defender. Whoever it is, but as soon as you're not dominating the ball and you're getting penned back, such as against Real Madrid for us, and all of a sudden. Vinicius Jr. is frequently getting the ball and standing up the fullback, Trent, then you've got all sorts of problems. But but those problems are occurring because your Modric's, your Cruces are being able to play short passes that break up that bit of pressure, which means that then they can go and find the winger in possession. So there's huge amounts of benefits that come back with sort of, whether it be inverting fullbacks or very attacking fullbacks or Ball orientated fullbacks who don't really want to defend, or, or don't want to defend deep. Let's say because Trent's happy to defend. There's times where he'll go and he went and nicked the ball off Zinchen- Zinchenko high up the pitch in, in Arsenal's half, which is not something you see happen to Zinchenko very much. Um, so he can defend, but it's areas that you want him to be defending. You don't want him to be defending on the edge of his own box getting stood up by a Martinelli or a Vinicius Junior being forced back and being put into all sorts of trouble. And But equally, you don't really want Zinchenko in the position that he found himself in, where Trent nutmegs him and then dinks a little ball over for Firmino to head in. So I think that's... Sorry, that was a big old waffly ramble, but
0: you can... Uh, well, I th- I think we'll... Uh, let you loose in a minute uh, on on somebody but I just want to say uh, I wonder if Gareth Southgate watched that game, he probably did but surely it's only a matter of time until Ramsdale gets that spot, surely or is it just Southgate is going to be stubborn forever, <laughs> like if Everton yeah. get relegated with Pickford and if Arsenal win the league would he, would he still choose Pickford over Ramsdale? Like it's, it's a question. It's a question. And it shouldn't be.
1: It's it's. I don't. I. It's it's unbelievable, really. Um,
0: because like I, I would say, like Pickford has been really good at at times as well. Like he's obviously a great goalkeeper, but I think people when they watch Ramsdale, and this happens with Allison as well, uh, is that. Um, A keeper who is really good on the ball, like both of them are, is they don't have any attention brought to their saving ability. And Ramsdale has made top top class saves for Arsenal as well. And I think there's a a, because Pickford is more limited as as a goalkeeper, people focus on his saving, whereas uh, you know Ramsdale has proven in the last two seasons, and obviously before as well, where he got Player of the Year at both the clubs he was at before, but they got relegated. Uh, he can make brilliant saves as well So, uh. I
1: think also I think also It's it's that question of Are you a good goalkeeper or are you a busy goalkeeper Right Now To be fair Because of how bad we've been We get to marvel And Allison's shot stopping even more Right And he's getting more credit than He used to get But he's not a better keeper now He's just a busier keeper now because we're a yeah. bad team, yeah, um so yeah, I mean I, I in fairness, Kanate should just absolutely bury it um but fair play to Ramsdale he 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 it's more the fact that he gets there rather than stops it because I think as soon as he gets there, there's nothing on it from Kanate to to make it a difficult save but it's the fact that it's the footwork involved and the, I suppose, awareness to get there after he's just gone the other way. Uh, and then the Salah one is fantastic because it takes that deflection um, and it's sort of, it's fingertips and it's it's beautiful. But um, yeah, Pickford's just a busier keeper and, and Southgate has shown many, many times that he's loyal and that's fine but you have to also give people chances because if not you'll just I mean are we just going to play Pickford forever then? Because we don't play difficult enough teams in qualifiers for him to be to be making big errors or to be found out or anything so it's a frustrating one Um, and I don't really see how it gets resolved because even if Everton get relegated he just leaves Everton and goes to a mid-table team, doesn't he? And then... Yeah. So so I I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but it will be quite funny when... Let's say when... Why not, hey? When Arsenal win the league and when Everton get relegated or even <laughs> finish fifteenth from below and stay up, it will still be Pickford in goal. And, you know... I think it's things like that compounded with Maguire still starting but not playing for his club. That it's just a... It's just a head-scratcher in terms of Southgate. Um, Because also it's the fact that... It's also the fact that he's got that much talent. That Pickford isn't a bad keeper. But... He has more talent than that at his disposal. But he's picking what will... Get him by at the moment, but we should be able to walk the. You know, if you if you play Ollie Watkins against um, some of the teams that we have in qualifying, especially now that we've already beaten Italy and Ukraine, and they're the two that are going to be competing for the other qualifying spot. Really, if you pick Ollie Watkins, he'll go and score you you know bagfuls of goals at, at international level. And then what are you going to keep picking him because you're loyal to him? And then never play Harry Kane. Like, it's just, it's a bit of a broken system, I think.
0: Because Ramsdale has three England caps. Because uh, the England team posted, uh, on Twitter, they posted a graphic of how many caps each player had. And it, it really stuck out because Ramsdale was like the third fewest caps or something, uh, with three. So it'd be nice for him to get a chance. And
1: also, how um, does he feel in terms of? Well, I can only think he feels like smashing his head against a wall when <laughs> Pickford literally is in a relegation scrap, pretty much what like for the last three years, and he is now the keeper top of the for the team top of the table. You know, and look, he's been relegated himself. You know, it's we Twice. understand that that's not the metric for goalkeepers but let's just be let's just be serious for a second now and just give him maybe at least more than 3 games when he's sitting top of the league
0: yeah he he was a young keeper a very young keeper as well in both those seasons with Sheffield United and and Bournemouth um we're going to move on to uh most controversial manager well, no, say. no, no. I don't think we're
1: ready to move on yet, Sam. I oh, know we're forty oh. minutes in and we've only spoken about Liverpool, Arsenal, but okay. I don't think we're ready yet because I just quickly—we'll keep it quick. What implication do you think this result has now on the league? And it's all ifs, buts, and mo- it's all ifs, buts, and maybe's. Um,
0: I think yeah. Well, I think Ramsdale said that. Um, speaking of Ramsdale, that he. Uh, you wouldn't know if it's a good point or not until the end of the season. I think Anfield, as much as Liverpool have not been as good recently, a point in Anfield is something that you can't complain about. And Arsenal are not going to win every single game. Sort of, you know, from Christmas or whatever. Like we were going to drop points, and dropping points at Anfield is probably one of the most expected places, especially because Arsenal have haven't been great there and has spoken about, it's like his least favourite place to go as a player. I wonder if that rubs off at all, but um, I think that we'll look And also and City they'll...
1: rock up and, and drop points at Anfield as well. Let's be honest, if we... If we...
0: <laughs> Get that in there, yeah.
1: What I'm thinking, and look, whatever way it pans out, we don't know yet. And this is all very sort of going to be hindsight-driven, but... I could see this result, and, and this is exactly bang on with what you were saying about what Aaron Ramsay was saying, is that we've run all the points like, but the, the City game, however that goes, it might be down, it might be like, oh, they lost it because they couldn't beat City or something like that. But the reality is you were 2-0 up and absolutely cruising against us, against a poor Liverpool team. And I understand that it's not an easy place to come, and I understand that even though our form's been dreadful, our form against the top teams has actually been pretty good. But I just think two nil up and cruising half an hour in, I think that could it it could hurt, you know, when 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 you look back. But it it could be a great point. We don't know. We don't. We really don't know.
0: Yeah, it's frustrating in that way. I think the Brentford game at the moment is a lot more frustrating because of the VAR situation where it didn't check the goal. I think people look at that a lot more as, as being two points dropped if it comes down to it. Um, yeah. But at the same time, uh, Arsenal are still three points ahead. I saw a lot of pundits saying advantage Man City, which I don't like. Uh, as good as City are looking now, De Bruyne has been rubbish for ages, but he's played two really good games. So may- maybe he's, he's back to being a proper top player. But um, I, I saw this stat, which was like Arsenal can afford to lose one more game, basically, because uh, if I think it was like the 92 point mark or something, like, uh, oh God, I've, uh, I'm going a bit in like, you know, the uh, Always Sunny meme where it's just like all the strings on the, on the board. But, yeah. but basically, yeah. the point... The point is that like City would be going on a 14-game win run <laughs> to close the season. You're uh, unraveling, get...
1: Sam, is what's happening here.
0: Yeah, but for City to get, I think it's 92 points, uh, they would have gone on a 14-game winning run at the end of the season. And at that point, you'd probably just say, like, if they do that, then they deserve to win. That's assuming that Arsenal drop points uh, in one more match be- between now and the end of the season. Okay. Uh, it, Arsenal would if Arsenal lose one more game between now and the end of the season, City would have to go on a fourteen-game winning run. I believe. Okay, uh, I see. I see Wilson what you're saying. Draw. I see what you're saying, which is possible. So, yeah,
1: it, it's but, still, but it shouldn't. But it shouldn't be seen as likely.
0: Yeah. So I think Arsenal. Arsenal is in, in the hands, obviously, still, and. Uh people just assume that City will win every game whereas they don't for Arsenal and we'll see what they do. Uh
1: Do you think that affects the mentality of the Arsenal players? When you when you're when you when you should be able to say something like, don't worry, they'll drop points, but they but you know that actually everyone is there believing that they
0: won't drop points. Yeah, on the outside. It's, it's Um, tricky because the mentality in the squad would definitely have changed because at the start of the season it was all about no one even spoke about Arsenal Uh, even pundits putting them in the top four, people weren't doing that which obviously has been proven to be a a big mistake I've seen people try and rationalise it, say you couldn't predict it but Arsenal played well last season putting them in top four wasn't a long shot but Putting them for the title, no one expected them to do that at all. Um, so I think at the start of the season it worked a lot in Arsenal's favour. I think now, as it becomes more real, the the pressure is building on a young squad, and uh, certainly as a fan, be a you feel that. Much you, too soon. Yeah, certainly as a fan, you're watching City, and um, until the last two weeks, uh, I felt pretty. Good about it all, actually. Like the best I had all season, seeing that City weren't playing well, but they've kicked on to another gear now, and it just are they going to go on one of their winning runs? I think the 14-game winning run to end their season would be something that they've never done before. I think. Uh, Yeah,
1: it might be something they've never done before, but I've still seen that kind of not obviously not that exact form, but that kind of form. I've just got the that the first time meme in my head you know the, who is it
0: uh, James Franco or James, James Franco.
1: Franco yeah with the old in the cowboy thing <laughs> with the old moose and just I've just got that just flashing in my in my mind because um, I basically open Twitter every day and and well any, any time after a City win I'll always see like an Arsenal fan saying they could go on this kind of run and I just see that that meme's just quote tweeting it over and over again yeah.
0: um it would but be, hey hopefully it would it'll be, be different extraordinary then. yeah well i it, you know anything can happen like it is enough games and obviously city could just win every game but i would say they wouldn't i'd say it's more likely that they will also drop points because some of their results this season have just been out of nowhere so
1: Yeah, and they go back to playing Champions League on a Wednesday and they are big Champions League games, you know, Bayern Munich. Um, So, you know, they've got two games against Bayern Munich. If they get through that, they've got two games against Chelsea or Real Madrid. Probably Real Madrid. Um, You know, so so it makes... And look, even even for a squad like Man City's, and you know if you want to have that many tough games and important games with any squad, you want it to be man City's but it's it still makes it harder, right? And if you're talking about then a 14 game and beaten run with with games against you know some of the best teams in Europe over two legs midweek in there it's 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 still a it's still going to be a factor. Regardless of the squad size.
0: Um, because also they've got the uh, FA Cup semi-final four days before playing Arsenal, which is obviously going to be a massive game. Uh, Arsenal need to not lose. A win would be amazing, obviously. Uh, and then you look at the rest of their fixtures and you think they're better than all these teams, but I, I don't know. There's going to be one result. like They're going to draw to... Javi Gracia's leads or something or Frank Lampard's gonna get one over on them or something I don't know there's hope
1: we can hope we can only hope on that it was it was almost sad Sam listening to you just there not sad that that sounds a bit horrible but it was almost <laughs> a little bit a little bit sad listening to you go they'll draw to a They'll Gracia leads they'll, they'll, they'll do something like that that's and such you a city thing though it's such a city thing to do early on in the season but I'm not sure it's a City thing to do at this stage of the season but I think they've but yep. importantly it's still in your hands you beat them at the Etihad and then then it's time to crack open the beers surely right
0: well <laughs> it's what, what like six games to go after them
1: yeah well it's uh, you're on holiday you're cruising
0: yeah. the mentality
1: shift and then they focus on the Champions League yeah, do you want to talk about Frank Lamps a little bit? Frankie because Lamps let's have a little Frank watch
0: it, um, we'll do Frank of the week because uh, we like him a lot to talk about um, we, like to, we like to talk about him a lot I watched Wolves against Chelsea to see what Frank Lampard is doing and uh, it was kind of the same old Chelsea really it was a really, really nice goal from uh, Nunes. Oh, it was a lovely goal. I saw that goal. That was a lovely goal.
1: That was a really, really nice goal. I would like to know
0: how good that felt as it left his foot. I mean, pretty good. I'll have to watch his celebration again to see just how happy he looks. But it's not really the kind of goal that you can blame Fratland Pod for. Uh, but at the same time, there attack even though it was in a 4-3-3 was uh, uh, but shambles. was really looks nice, doesn't do a lot uh, in terms of scoring and making big chances and looking like they got to score it felt like Wolves were more likely to score as well as a the thing, they had a lot of uh, good opportunities kind of without having the ball at all really uh, and they had a, a late goal just disallowed for no reason as well. Uh so it's basically 2 now. Um I can't uh I can't remember what happened, but it was really scandalous that it got ruled out. Um it's one of those where the referee blows um for a foul while there's just an amazing sort of 2-on-1 against the goalkeeper uh, or something like that and I, I suppose the big thing coming away from
1: this though right how bad do you think it could get for Chelsea because I, I just don't see how bringing Lampard in off the back of him not doing well at Chelsea and then doing badly at Everton makes any sense so how how bad could it get
0: uh, well Aubameyang's back in the picture uh, so what does that mean know. it could get even worse I think the only way is up for Chelsea. I don't think they can go any lower. It, so you look
1: at the table and you don't really see how there are more positions for them to drop. But then Hodgeback is <laughs> yeah. putting on is putting on a show, really. So,
0: so you know, there's six. There's six. They're
1: six yeah, they're now six points off them. You've got Wolves eight points off them. I just, I just feel like Chelsea are a team you're looking at, and you just think I just think they're playing so badly, and they're in such a, um, such an area of the table that is so insignificant that you could just see them slipping further. The teams below them are so desperate to pick up points and stay in the league, right? And then the teams above them are all fighting for something, pretty much, bar Fulham who who have had everyone sin and banned for matches and are fine and just are waiting for the season to end. But besides, you know, Fulham and Chelsea, everyone else is desperately kind of
0: fighting for something. I think Frank Lampard is not that bad, though. If it was Gerrard, I'd say sure. But I think Uh, Gerard's
1: better than Lampard though.
0: As a manager. Yeah. What?
1: Well, Gerard Gerard won the league with with Rangers. Uh, He was so bad. His Villa side was his Villa side was 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 pretty bad and a step too far. But oh no,
0: this is going on the internet, Toby. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> no, I think that's fine. No, I think Lampard is that bad.
1: I, I'm sorry, but I do not see Lampard finishing fourth with Chelsea. I don't care about a transfer ban. The team is 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 full of is filled with talent anyway. I, I Look at this Everton team. This Everton team it shouldn't be as bad as it is. No, I'm I I you've 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 said it with such an assertive tone that it's made me question myself, but I think I'm right. I think okay I, I think Gerard is better than Lampard. Now that's probably with some bias that I can't take out, but at the very least they're pretty much in the same boat. There's no there's no case where you can make a clear argument that Lampard is far better than than
0: Gerard, I don't think. Well, we we'll see at the end of this season, but uh you know, it's not like Everton have rocketed under to Deitch either, um, we'll see. No, I, but think, I, think, I think I think Lampard. Uh,
1: n- no, true. Uh, but they picked up boys against picked up points against you boys. Well,
0: they did. That was a bad game.
1: It's the new manager
0: bounce. You can't can't fight it. Yeah, but I tell you, you um, can fight it. Fright Lampard <laughs> himself. I don't think it counts if you're an interim. I think that's the rules. I don't think uh, that is the rules thing. unless you're Roy Hodgson because he won as well didn't he um, I'm going but to also, yeah, but also yeah but also yeah yeah exactly and also he's interim but he's not
1: really he's he's like in the Hodgson boat isn't he of like interim but not indefinite but like a good run of you, you know you've got a good run of games till the end of the season if he won every game and the Champions League he wouldn't be the interim anymore so it's interim with an asterisk <sighs>
0: Well, true, but that's not going to happen, is it? No, it's not. It's not because they've got Frank Lampard. If he was literally the best manager in the world, he would get, uh, he would get the job full time. I agree. Um, yeah, yeah. Well,
1: he's got a good. He's got a good squad. You can't say that he doesn't have a good squad.
0: He has a great squad. Uh, uh, hmm. What was I going to say? Uh, Oh yeah, I think Chelsea will beat Man City because. Do you remember when Frank Lampard went to Man City as a player and he scored against Chelsea, and it was really awkward? I think he's gonna want to get revenge on okay. himself for that. That's the narrative.
1: Okay, I can see, I can see what you're saying there, but and he'll, but, he'll but, really but even, if he, as even well. if he does this, I want you to say now that you won't claim it's to do with any sort of. Tactical prowess is not to do with any managerial ability. It's purely down to the footballing gods.
0: I don't think Frank Lampard has good tactics. I do think he has a Chelsea team, and I think there is an energy and uh, forces that we can't describe. That I agree that, I in in the in the spiritual football world, and I'm a believer so I'll give that they're going you to that. finish they're going to finish above Fulham and Brentford not Brentford and Villa okay uh, they, if they finish above Fulham
1: I could see that but purely because of the Mitrovic-Jake game ban and things like that and them having nothing to fight for now
0: yeah Fulham were overperforming their stats a bit as well not that they've sort of fluked their way there but uh, no
1: they're not a bad team or anything but yeah they, they, there is
0: Villa have really tough fixtures as well to close the season, so. Uh, who, who Villa? They do, yeah.
1: Yeah, but Villa, Villa are now one of the best teams in the league under Doni. So it doesn't matter. In in that's fact, true. the other teams that they're playing have tough fixtures because they've got to play
0: Villa. That's true. Actually, oh, yeah. looking at it, there's a, there's only eight games left. If Chelsea make up eight games and eight points on Villa. That's not going to happen, is it?
1: No. No chance. More chance of uh, Hodgeback making up six points on on Chelsea with his favourable run that everyone keeps talking about because uh, Pat Big Pat didn't get it who have they got? Southampton Everton Wolves West Ham Spurs Bournemouth
0: Fulham Forest they're finishing above Chelsea that's their eight games man they're going to do great they're going to beat Spurs they're well, going to the be like Spurs. Sp- the only reason they don't win all of them is because some of those teams need to pick up points
1: themselves because they're in a relegation scrap. But uh, yeah, they're finishing above Chelsea. Put the house on okay. it.
0: Okay, I think both of them will finish above Fulham, and Chelsea will remain eleventh.
1: And then does Hodgson get the permanent job? <laughs> well, he's old though, isn't he? Yeah, I don't think. I don't think he he would he pass
0: you know you don't do a medical
1: but surely the league must intervene at some point
0: can't just keep going it's like driving isn't it there's no rules for when you can stop driving
1: that's that's true it'd be nice if there were some rules when you can stop podcasting because I think uh, we're drawing to a close here
0: Uh, we didn't talk about Dean Smith but hooray Dean Smith Uh, Dean Smith's the
1: manager they've replaced Brendan Rogers with a cheese sandwich there you go
0: but a bad cheese sandwich, not like a really nice one.
1: No, no, no! It's not a.
0: It's like a meal deal a... sandwich. It will. Yeah, it's do just right. bread and cheese. <laughs> yeah, and it ain't good cheese. What sandwich is Brendan Rodgers?
1: Brendan Rodgers is a. Brendan Rodgers is a nice salad. Not a prawn salad. Brendan Rogers is like a, a ham, egg and potato salad. What? Because in the moment you think, yeah, that's great. And at the start you tuck it in and you're thinking, yeah, that's doing a job. And then afterwards you're unfulfilled and it doesn't last very long because the calorie content is low. And you do just think I should have gone for a sandwich instead. That's Brendan Rogers.
0: So you're pro-Dean Smith. It turns out, cool. No, no,
1: no, no, no. Because I'd take a ham, egg... I'm talking... The ham, egg and potato salad isn't purely ham, egg and potato. There's cherry tomatoes in there. You've got a bit of spring onion. You've got some some lettuce itself and it wouldn't be iceberg lettuce. Um, it's 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 a good salad, right? It's not a prawn salad or a chicken and bacon salad or anything like that. There's no croutons. But what I mean is... It's it's, uh, you know, I like a bit of ham and egg and some sort of sliced boiled new potatoes in there as well. But it's not actually as good long term as you think it's going to be because you can't stick to the diet because you can't keep having ham, egg and potato salads because you get bored of them. You know, halfway through it, you're thinking I've got some regrets. It's nice, but it's not
0: long term. Okay well I think that's everything for this week uh, We're going to be back next week I'm going to predict we'll talk about Chelsea Brighton because those are cool teams or Leicester Man City.
1: You reckon Leicester are going to be the team to drop some of those drop some of
0: those City points? Uh, no because they're really bad but I'm going <laughs> to hype every team that plays City up uh, every week Yeah this is your platform to do it day. Sam
1: Power to you. Go for it. Up the Leicester. Up the Foxes bring Gary Lineker out and stick him up front
0: well it's not that not that different to Jamie Vardy these days is it yeah (laughs) alright well thank you Toby We'll, uh, we'll talk next week goodbye thank you very much
1: bye bye